Welcome to Sundays on the East End. I'm Bridget Leroy. I'm Alex Sokolow. And you're listening to us here on WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station, coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant. So we have some interesting guests today. We do. Well, we have Eric Fischel, who's like, you know, a, 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 lion. a, a Sag Harbor hero, a superhero, and famed uh, artist and... Provocateur. Um, provocateur and philanthropist and all that other good stuff. But we'll let him speak for himself when he comes on. We have Patricia McCormick, who is with the Prime House, which is a writer's retreat that's just opened in Sag Harbor. It's uh, it's Eric's place. And so we're going to be talking about that. And we also have Stephen Friedman, um, who is the very first resident from this house. So we're going to talk about writers and retreats and creativity, the process. We'll talk a little bit about Sag Harbor and about the house. Yeah, well, also, like, it's it's Martin Luther King weekend. So, uh, you know, let's start with acknowledging uh, the weekend and the man and, and people who have changed the world and uh, have written their own story yeah. in their life. I learned something new about him recently, that he was born Michael King. Um, and, and he that, changed and it because father, of Martin Luther? His father's name was also Michael King, and they they changed it because of Martin Luther. Um, so there you go. That's it, really interesting. It's all what you want to do with yourself, what story you want to tell. Yeah. Right? It's funny. The, the, the show, I went to see um, the show at Quag last night. It's called Admissions, and it's running through February 2nd, I think. And uh, Minerva Perez is in it, and uh, and it's a very interesting play. They did a show called Safe Space last year at um, Bay Street, and I thought this was going to be like this. And uh, Morgan Vaughn's in it. Um, it's directed by Andrew Botsford. It was, it was really good. And one of the things is they're, they're talking about not being raised. It has to do with race and admissions into schools and all that kind of stuff. And their son's middle name is Luther after Martin Luther King. They're like, how could we be racist? We named our son after Dr. King. So. Some of our best middle names are black. What, tell everybody your middle name, because it's so my middle name is Dove, D O V, like Hebrew for Dave. So I was told. Um, I think you're just a little white pigeon. Dove, and my brother's middle name is Wolf. Ooh. And my sister's Fran. I don't know. Fran. How she got the short end. Yeah. Elizabeth Fran. Really? That's really interesting. Is it after a family person? Like a? I think everybody's after a family person. Well, yeah, me. Yeah. You know, I but know. I was named actually. I was named after. I didn't. We're touching on this. My great grandfather, um, Alexander Lipschitz, who was a chemist in Brooklyn, and so the family lore goes, invented the liquid formula for Xlax. And if you're Lipschitz, <laughs> my ass talks, I swear to God. Yeah, you've been and then, spouting and then, shit ever since. No doubt. And, but then in 1929, when the stock market crashed, he sold the patent for $500. And I'm a screenwriter. And basically. there you That's are. A, okay, not, okay. not a governor or okay, something. So my great-grandfather started Warner Brothers, <laughs> and here I am. Okay, so, so, yeah. <laughs> so. We both ended up at the same place. All right. So, yeah, we're going to talk writing. We're going to talk about um, yeah, the idea of, and also, but the idea of a writer's retreat, uh, which uh, I've never uh, experienced, but my bias is, is that uh, it's at this it's holistic and at the same time I fear it might be a little artificial because it's a it's a dedicated period where you're like so focused I don't know but well, like focused on time but you're a guy who lives by himself you, your entire life is a writer's retreat but that's my point <laughs> I mean you don't know but that's my point most of us don't get that <laughs> but that's my point <laughs> right. is that is that writing much like thinking 
uh, happens, you know, it's, it's a process, but it's, 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 it happens over a, it's a marathon. It happens over a long period of time. And I'm curious about does it feel heightened when you know you're, you know, cognitively uh, someplace where you have to produce material? Well, it's not just that, because I also believe that this house, and, and you know, I'm sure Eric and Patty and Stephen will talk about it, uh, the Prime House, um, which is also, and was where I know it is Hal McCusick's house, um, but it has a, a very long history of writers and people creating there. And you know me, I mean, you know the path I'm on. I'm on this shaman path and um, really believe that there are places that have particular energy. I really do believe yeah, in that. He, shaman so. has won like 10 Tony Awards, right? Shut up. <laughs> anyway, you know what? That's enough. I've had enough of talking to you. We're going we're gonna to take a little break. We're going to bring on our guests, Eric Fischel, Patricia McCormick, and Stephen Friedman. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we're coming to you on 88.3 WPPB-FM. You can also stream us online at 883WPPB.org. And it's always time to make a donation to listener-supported radio. We'll be right back. back uh, Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and we want to bring our guests on to talk about the Prime House retreat uh, Eric Fischel uh, savior of Sag Harbor I know you don't like that term but not, you and not April not even close to life uh, so tell us about the, the this thanks property thanks for coming on Eric. yeah thanks thanks Pleasure for having me it's, it's always good to be had um, <laughs> yeah I, I would de- debatable debatable but anyway you've been responsible for a lot of change positive change and a lot of arts and, and cultural hubness in Sag Harbor. So tell us about the Prime House and, and we'll, you know what brought you to that. Uh, the the uh, Prime House was, uh, first of all, it was built in 1792, I believe, mm-hmm. by, I think, Nathaniel Prime, who was a writer, right, who wrote a great historical book about the East End, about Long Island. Did he really? That's yeah. Great. So it starts with that. So if you talk about bone structure, right. the DNA, the DNA of this place is writing and then creativity. Anyway, I I had an idea. Of a few years ago, the cinema burned down. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of us got behind trying to rebuild the cinema, which is central to not only to the physically to the village but also to the identity of the town itself it's mm-hmm. a source of pride it's a landmark etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, there's a lot of cinemaphiles out there who wanted uh, to sort of bring back the the art cinema aspect of the institution and uh, and so that began to happen, and the energy that was created by the people who came out in support of this wanting to make 
the cinema live again made me uh, think about uh, trying to add to that other kinds of creativity uh, and creative energy in the town. Right. And you have the, the church building, um, the Methodist Cultural Church. Cultural Center. Yeah, yeah. well, so, so, you know, short story long. <laughs> The, uh, the thing that I, uh, most uh, endears me to, attaches me to Sag Harbor is that uh, unlike the other towns in the Hamptons, which were agrarian and, and fishing and whatnot, mostly for local consumption, Sag Harbor was a town that uh, built products to go into the global economy. Right. And as a result of that, it's it has a kind of cosmopolitan has a identity. Yeah. It, it it sees things in larger form. There's always been a arts community that's been a part of Sag Harbor since the beginning, which I uh, predominantly writers, uh, with James Fenimore Cooper being the, the, sort of the earliest. Uh, right, Melville wrote there. Um, Steinbeck, yeah, was well, there. Steinbeck, of course. It, it goes Whitehead. on. Yeah, I used to see the uh, the arts. Uh, as being sort of parallel to the productive uh, nature of the town. And, of course, that's changed over the years as, the, as production, as manufacturing has gone away and, and uh, you know, Sag Harbor is moving in the direction of the other, you know, upscale Hamptons right. towns. So I thought maybe the, the way to slow it down would be to try to make creativity the next product. Well, cool. Of Sag Harbor. Wow. And I, I started thinking that if we, if we have an ambition to do that, we need some structures to make it happen. Right. And uh, the how McCusick's uh, widow uh, had to put the house up for sale. And so I, I thought this would be a perfect place for some kind of residency program. It's a fantastic house that has, an, you know, like five relatively discreet rooms that can be used by different kinds of artists, et cetera. That was my first thought. Um, so I, I began to uh, renovate it with that in mind. And then the Methodist Church across the street became available, and that's the largest mm -hmm. structure in town uh, that is uninhabited. Right. And uh, that just seemed like the perfect place to create a kind of creative community center out of it. And the fact that the two are across the street from each other, and the and the libraries around the corner, and so yeah. the yeah, is a real hub. We're, we're getting yeah. a campus of of creativity. It's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I actually I write uh, out of that library a lot. Um, I love the top floor, the dome top mm -hmm. floor. Um, well, especially now that you're writing the yeah, Franklin Patty, thing, I bet too, it feels right? yeah. 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 No, I to me it's. Um, Specifically, it's like it's a cultural moment where it's I, I when I'm in there, I the whole world strips away, yeah, and it's just spots, and that's very um, well. That's well, kind of the whole point of a retreat. One mm -hmm. of the things that I uh, and I don't want to totally dominate this next two hours of our <laughs> one hour, <laughs> one hour, right there. <laughs> but, uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I just I just want to uh, complete my thought, which is that uh, which is my high ambition 
is that if you you have a town like Sag Harbor, which is set up in a way that's in, that's physically embraces you, you it's not a pass through town. It's a go down to the end, turn around, come back. Right. Uh, at the south end of town, you have uh, the the Whaley Museum, the library, the church, the Prime House. The middle of town, you have the cinema, and the north end of town, you have Bay Street Theater. We've we've just anchored the town with cultural uh, institutions. Right. right? Valentine is uh, interned in Oakland Cemetery. Yeah. Yes, and as is Mr. my father. B. Yeah. Just I, name I did drop. not know. That. <laughs> I did not know that but part it, of it. I knew Balanchine was yeah. there, but uh, yeah. I yeah. want to kind of um, bring in our, our other guests. Why? Um, Why? <laughs> I know. I know. Eric, you are a show unto yourself. Um, but we're here to discuss the the writers' retreat. And uh, Patty, I want to bring you in, Patty McCormick. Um, and I know you were involved with the setting up of the the uh, lit, children's lit program, weren't you mm-hmm. at, uh, at at Southampton College? Yeah, yeah. and that you are. I actually thought it was really interesting because Emma said, my, my sister Emma said this morning something that you coined the phrase that she always uses, something like, it's a it's a big responsibility to write for other people's children. Oh, yes, something that's like true. That. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, I'm always very aware that I'm writing for other people's children. Yeah, nice. yeah. Um, so tell tell me about how you got involved with, with the Prime House Writers Retreat. Well, I... Uh, was invited over to see the house by Sally Sussman, who's also on the committee, um, to help organize the Prime House. And I instantly felt that sense that this is a space that speaks to writers. Yeah. It's got all these nooks and crannies. And uh, so we instantly wanted to find people who could take advantage of that quiet contemplation yeah, that's there. And I did a residency once uh, at McDowell. That's why I was going to ask you if you'd been to any of the. Well, right, so so and again, I don't, I don't mean to be institution when I say this, but I having never done a residency or a retreat, d- is there a heightened sense of I have to make product or is it much more relaxed and allows you to actually exhale as a thinker? You know. I experienced the former, where I thought, oh my gosh, I have these two weeks. People have arranged this for me. I better get stuff done. Yeah. And at first, it it's was hard to get good it work done that intimidating. And then you kind of get into the flow of it um, because you're not distracted by the kids or the laundry or any, you don't have to make your meals. I, one of the things that was so uh, powerful to me was the idea that a cabin had been set aside for me. Somebody brought my lunch to the door every day. They brought it at 11, and so the big challenge was, could I hold out till noon to eat it? (laughs) But that so much effort had been gone to on my behalf to set up a space that was ideal for me for for creativity that I truly felt an artist for the Mm -hmm. first time, not just a writer, but an but, artist. But that, that kind of goes to that, uh, if, I, if I don't butcher it, that Tolstoy idea of, of I guess, bliss and, and how, how you're, like, most realized in your, in like your, in your truest sense. And so mm-hmm. you, you have to actually experience life and feel it while, and be mindful while you're feeling it to feel like you got something. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to actually just turn it over to, uh, we have Stephen Friedman, and you are the very first resident is this true of Prime one House? of four or five well, well yeah 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 it's, it's yeah, our but, show but we're going to say you're first. the favorite one <laughs> you're the, you're <laughs> right, the you're favorite so tell us the only one who was up this early yeah, um, right. no but what's your experience being a writer being a professional writer and coming here and uh, i mean tell us a little bit about your background and and what brought you to here what what brought me to here is patty 
Mm -hmm. My old friend called and said, I had just um, done a residency at Yaddo, who, Yaddo, which okay, along was... with McDowell are kind of the two pretty okay. well-known residencies. And it's my, the first residency I'd ever done. And Patty called. She said, Steve, listen, I have this writer's residency. It's in Sag Harbor. It's in this 1700s era house. It's beautiful. The only catch is you don't have to apply. Would you be interested? I was like, is that a <laughs> well, close okay. Yeah. You twisted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ouch, no, ouch. And, and, my arm. Right, and then I'm going to ask like very remedial questions. Um, how long are you entitled to get your meals and towels cleaned and all that stuff there? Or like, is there? A well, actually, I, I don't know if you're being facetious or not, but um, there is a housekeeper who comes once a week. Now, we've talked to her and said you don't need to come because we've. I mean, that's. It's a simple house. I mean, it's yeah. a beautiful house. No, but I'm saying, but how, how long are you? Um, how long is your residence? Your oh, how oh. long is your residence? Um, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, how long I've, have you been there? I've been there. It'll be about uh, what, two, two and a half weeks. And how much? And I guess and the next question weeks. is, how much writing did you get done? Um, or how much? It's work January. Or, <clears throat> what else is there to do? Well, <laughs> to, to quote a good friend of mine, a novelist, who I quote often is, well, it, not writing is part of the writing process. Uh, true. <laughs> And I, you know what, I, I have to say that. And Eric, I actually yeah. don't know if, if, if this is part of your process, but I'm always amazed at how I have to walk away to get closer oh, to yeah. what I want to get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's almost like on a daily basis. Yep. Yep. I will be like, okay, I think this is good or not, but I have to leave now yep. and not think about it. And then I'll come back to it when my mind's clear. See, and I, I have to literally explain to people first at, at the, you know, at the independent or at home, if I'm staring at you, I'm not seeing you, I'm thinking, right. you know, if I'm just like sitting there going like this, you know, I'm just you're making, I, I'm really not seeing I think you. that was John or Wayne Gacy's excuse also. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the same thing at home. I, I, I would have to tell the kids, like, these are my work hours. And if I'm walking around the house, I'm still writing. So yeah. don't, like. I'm, I'm amazed. And, and, unless you're and, bleeding, and, and, and don't bother right, me. But let, wait, let's, let's maybe just roll it back. So you, you're two and a half weeks, and it's mm -hmm. a chance to think. Are, do, did you come out? With a specific project in mind, or are or is this like more of a cleansing for you to just see what connections you're making? No, I came out with a specific project in mind, a novel I've been fiddling around with for about 15 years, and I thought I was going to take a look at it, write some more, reorganize it, and so I've made some progress on that. Yeah. But you had asked Patty earlier about whether um, one would feel this pressure to create, or it was a chance to kind of sit back and reflect and um i was when i went to yato i was a little worried because i applied with a nonfiction piece and was accepted and then between the acceptance and my going i decided i wanted to write fiction and i was feeling a little guilty about that <laughs> and i asked a novelist who'd been there i said do i need to tell them I said steve Look, back in the day, novelists used to go up and just drink and go to the racetrack. Yeah, well, well, I, well, like some of my favorite yeah. anecdotes, and I'll, I'll butcher them a little bit, but like uh, Dostoevsky, when uh, he was starting Crime and Punishment, I had read he had big gambling habits and he owed a lot of money and he had made a bad deal with his publisher where he was going to give all of his uh, publishing to kind of get out of debt. And uh, then he started writing Crime and Punishment and realized how good it was. Right. And so he put that aside kind of shat out like a different work brought in somebody to be the stenographer who he ended up marrying because he had such a good piece brewing inside of him you've now both had retreats patty you you were at mcdowell 
and you were at Yaddo and at the Prime House. I want to get back to Eric Fischel, Stickamathea, and <laughs> look it up, um, and ask if have you ever been on retreat? Have you ever gone somewhere? I uh, I was once uh, went to the American Academy in Rome. That was uh, an enormous experience for me. Was it kind of early in your career, or no? It wasn't. Recently? It was uh, 1996, and it was. I had never thought about going to any uh, thing. I think there's a uh, some difference between the visual artist going to uh, short-term uh, retreats or. or and, Did you just and, and with, I, I have a question. And, so, and, and when and when you went there, were you thinking or were, or somehow like I'm going to make art that's very specific to this moment because I'm at this place doing something, or were you? Did you bring things in your head? And this was just a chance to kind of let them percolate. I mean, initially when I accepted going, it was for a two-month uh, period, and uh, I went with nothing in mind other than getting away. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I, unfortunately, bef- right before I went, my father died. Mm. Okay, so. And I have to say that if you need to mourn, go to Rome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the one thing that's amazing, one of the things that's amazing about Rome, is they have no hurry to forget. Mm-hmm. And their history, which is layered and layered and layered, is constantly being revealed. So there's this sense of continuum that's there, which is a soothing that's nice uh, experience. So I um, so went in Rome. So went in Rome, and I I went there as I said with no thing in mind. Uh, it turned into a mourning, uh, grieving process. Yeah. Which, I, I'm not a religious person, so but I'm a, an art person, so I went to a lot of the churches, which that's the other well, thing I, about Mark, Rome. Mark Twain said about Rome, like, more churches and less Christians than any other city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it might be true. It's, it's so integrated into their lives, and, it, and it's something that where the art that was made for those places, they're still in those places. Yeah. So there's no decontextualization of art. So you see how the whole thing works, architecturally, narratively, visually, etc. But getting so back I to the whole very, yeah, the retreat. Very compelling. And while I was there, I took a lot of photographs, yeah. and I didn't really do any paintings or anything. Came home and did a whole body of work. And so, based so, and on so it, it, it changed without even knowing it going into it, it changed the direction of your creativity mm-hmm. by the mere ex- experience that you had. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think, I mean, having been, I am a retreat goer, and I also have led retreats um, for women on many occasions, and it really is, it's, it's a mindset. I mean, and I think that's what you were saying, Sock, is yeah, that yeah. you know, like, I am not going to be available for the outside world. What you then decide to do with that, whether it's mourning, you know, whatever, whether it's whether it's subconscious, conscious, whatever, whatever your body and mind and spirit decide is what you need to do is what you need to do. So sometimes you're going on retreat, you know, to write or to right. or to mourn and something completely, you know, side sideswipes you and you get brought in a different direction. But you still well, need that time. It's still well, part I, of the creative I, I process. I wouldn't even presume to speak for writers and how they use it. I think their creative process uh, is different than visual arts. But 
with the with residencies for visual arts, it um, short period of time. It's hard to set up a yeah. studio. It's hard to get into the rhythm of it. Right, so what right. happens is they start doing minor work, and they they do work that uh, is conceptual, ideational. It's it's always in the process of becoming mm-hmm. right. And so when you talk to them. It's like, you know, it's, they're sort of telling you to picture this. That what you're seeing is not what it is, but picture this, right? right. And it's, it's created a, uh, almost a style of making visual art, which is in this kind of constant state of becoming. But, but, right, and, but that's Gaudi also, right? I mean, that's, uh, he never wants that cathedral finished. That it was in the state of becoming that you get closer to God. Right, but it was public. Oh, okay. And yeah. it was it was something whatever his thing his his was a vision that was being created outside of himself. I, I think the the significance of of art is that its ultimate test is when it leaves you. Mm-hmm. Then it's the only time you're going to see as an artist whether you're speaking to anybody. You're not speaking to anybody. The right. thing you thought it was, it is or it isn't, et cetera, et It's cetera. funny because when, when we had April, uh, your wife, April Gornick, on, um, she talked about that, about how art was a somewhat solitary thing, which brings us back to the idea of retreats and writers' retreats, but that it, it isn't because it's also an audience participation. But, right, and, but, and you know a word that hasn't been used yet, which I think is so important, and probably in the creation of all art, but definitely in writing, is channeling. And I think that a lot of writers channeled stuff and to do that you have to get into the right mindset because you don't know where the ideas come from but they show up and when they do show up and you know somewhere deep in your soul that they're good that's a miracle yeah Mm. so i want to get back to talking to to patty mccormick um about the prime house retreat Mm -hmm. but we're going to take a little break uh you're listening to sundays on the east end with bridget Leroy and alex and we'll be right back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow on WPPB and we're talking with uh, we've got Eric Fischel, Patricia McCormick and Stephen Friedman and we're talking about the Prime House which is just kind of opened and this is the opening month I guess. We've been talking about the whole idea of retreat and that you know Eric created this place and that Stephen has been a beneficiary of this spot but it's more than just a place like five bedrooms where writers can come or apply for a residency. Tell, tell us about some of the well, outreach. One of the amazing things is that it's a retreat right in the heart of Sag Harbor. So while it's very quiet inside the house, you're just a few, you know, steps from the town and the life of the town. So one of the ideas that Eric had in, in starting the Prime House was to make sure that there was public outreach. 
and that we um, they're gonna say make sure that the door is locked from the outside. <laughs> you make those writers write. <laughs> you come in and yeah. you can't get out. Anyway. But to bring our writers yeah. to the schools, to bring them to the senior centers, to invite people in for readings or dinners or what have you, so that it's not this you know elitist, quiet, hot house thing that's all by itself. Right. That there is community engagement, and I think that's really important. So the residencies, like uh, I, I know it's kind of like uh, you know ephemeral. But but what um, is the basic residency in terms of time? Two weeks? Well, it's we haven't structured it so formally yet. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to look to our uh, writers to see what do they need. Um, some people only need four days away from the kids to really jumpstart a project. Yeah, I am actually uh, full disclosure. I'm going to be uh, re- having a resi- five day residency there starting February 12th, which I'm very excited about. Right. So, and somebody else needs two weeks. Somebody else wants complete quiet. Steve structured uh, a group of people. Did you all know each other a little bit, but you took the house over collaboratively? I knew everyone. Uh, there were a couple connections between other people. Yeah. And, I per- and what did you structure? Pardon me? You, uh, Patty said you structured something. So what did you structure? Uh, or, or your day? What? Oh, no. The structure was just the group of people. I just wanted to get people who I thought would all get along. Um, because my experience of writing treats is, even though it's solitary, uh, and that's a real strength of it, I found one of the best things about Yada was actually being around other people who worried whether their work was good or not good, whether thinking was work, you know, just being around other people who did what I did. Um, and so we have dinner and, and together. And let's, and let's, you know, in, in the break we were talking a little bit about, about your life as a writer. Right. Um, and I don't want to speak for you, but just can you, can you talk about it? You started in journalism. Right. Um, I wanted, I thought, oh, a novelist would be a great career, but I thought I can't make a living as a novelist. So whether that was accurate assessment or failure of confidence or whatever, but I thought, well, I'll get into journalism so I can practice writing every day. Right. Um, that was that, like, Norman Mailer line that he said he wanted to write a 1,000 words a day in his 20s because he wanted to get all his bad writing out of the way <laughs> early. I wasn't thinking with such self-perception. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to practice. Um, yeah. And then I've been writing nonfiction for 30, 30, 40 years, and occasionally writing a little fiction. And then I, this writing retreat I did in the summer, and this at Prime House, I thought I really want to keep fooling around with fiction. Um, and and um, fiction with a basis in nonfiction, or fiction like purely an invention of your own imagination? Well, that's a question about, you know, isn't all fiction doesn't have doesn't it have some basis in right and all uh, history <clears throat> is fiction so well right um, oh god here he goes you know we went to high school together right oh, oh no that. he was my okay. prom date we've yeah. known each other for four years I, 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 I'm still amazed right. every time I hear that yeah, yeah. that's crazy what that we've been yeah. what do we know we've known each other for 40 years dude I have the dress to prove it um, oh, so, so, so does Monica Lewinsky. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Jesus. Anyway, so let's get back to talking about right the, the Prime House. It does, does, is there a website? There is a page on the uh, website for the church that's dedicated specifically to the Prime House, and it talks about what our mission is and gives people information on where to contact us if they want to apply or if they want to get involved. We're looking for people to be on our advisory board. We want to draw on that rich... Okay, Cultural, rich yeah. uh, 
I can't raise tradition my hand that for we have. We want to draw on the rich. The rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> Buck, no Buck well, Rogers. Stop right. there. Well, that's also what I wanted to ask. Like, what, what, um, how will this become? I guess like self-sustaining um, in, in a way, because obviously, uh, Eric, this is your project. And people come there and they don't have to pay. I mean, I guess they're responsible for making their own meals and cleaning up and, you know, that kind of stuff. But how does it become a self, something self-sustaining? Well, uh, uh, we're um, uh, just winging it at this point, trying to figure all this stuff out. Uh, every, everything we're doing is in the, the really early stages. Right. And, uh, and it's in the early stages, which is the best part because it's right before reality sets in. So <laughs> it's so it's true, but I, I, would, I, I would observe, you know, uh, everybody has their own process. And if you're trying to create a nurturing uh, retreat or residency f to allow process, you almost can't pre-destine uh, yeah. what the process is gonna be because, right. yeah. you know, some Mark Twain wrote in his pajamas in bed. You know, that, how he that got was, into my pajamas, I'll never well, know. But no. that, but that was that was his process. Get that image out of my <laughs> no, no, but that, but that was his process, right? I'm going to throw in one more. John Steinbeck, our most famous Sag Harbor writer, uh, when he was a young man, could not get the peace and quiet that he needed in the house, so he took a big plank of wood out to the car and rolled down the windows and stretched the plank across the front seat and sat there and worked on his typewriter. Right. Oh, wow. and, and I know Kafka uh, wrote between uh, like one in the morning and eight in the morning, so, you know, when everybody was asleep. And one of them, um, I was, I think it was Balzac. <laughs> I know, I love saying that name. But I think one of them made his housekeeper take his clothes away so that he couldn't leave. No, it was one of the Dumas. I think it was Dumas Père. Uh -huh. Made the housekeeper take all of his clothes away so he was naked and he couldn't leave. And he had to write The Three Pretty Musketeers. Well, in, ter in terms yeah. of uh, uh, trying to figure out what the hell we're doing, <laughs> the, 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 one thing I think is, is really exciting for me is that artists have uh, been used like a virus which if by developers, where they're sort of uh, given, uh, you know, cheap spaces to live for a short period of time. Developers then come in as the crowd gets interested I, I actually, in being I th I in that think play. It, it starts like black artists, gay, Wall Street, and the neighborhoods change. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not being facetious. I think that that's like, there's you a cycle. You look facetious. I, I, <laughs> he always looks out. He can't, that's his face. He's got resting facetious face. <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, I, like, what you're talking about, though, like, like you know, it's like, it's like the restaurant Florent closed after a 30-year run. When it opened up, it was the only place down in the meatpacking district that was offering a, a, a pulse and then it gets priced out, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, You're yeah. trying to reverse that. Yeah, well, what yeah, I'm trying exactly. to do is actually own it. I'm saying, uh, so if, if rather than uh, uh, get pushed out by development, why not artists take the initiative to develop it the way they want to develop that's it? So that's wonderful, so wonderful, Eric. And so, and so what I sort of tell myself is we're, Sag Harbor, we're drawing the, the line in the sand between uh, a, a, which is a cultural war between culture and the culture of greed. Right. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't think there's a real example. Of, uh, there's an example of artists taking the initiative to develop stuff. 
But but we have the opportunity to actually create a whole town. It's amazing. Right. That yeah. is that is that. Yeah. And so that you know when we talk about how we're going to figure out how to pay for this, how to the it's it's going to have to evolve. But if it if it comes from the ground up would be the, the, the verification of what I imagine it could be. That's really profound. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, that's know, that's super the exciting cool. part, right? Yeah. You you spent the last couple of weeks ruminating, gesticulating. And writing a and, little. And <laughs> Stephen Friedman on, we're talking On, on a piece of fiction? Or yes, on a piece of fiction. What what form might it take? Actually, you asked before, is it based in, in fact, it's actually a novel set in the 80s, about a young reporter at a newspaper. So, so also maybe autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, when you do leave tomorrow, uh, from your, which will be actually yesterday, from when we were running on air, air, right? Um, you, you're, you're leaving with some dots connected. Yeah, and some still very unconnected. But yeah, a few more dots connected. The four of us all read our work and Patty and I were talking on the way over. I said my takeaway was I was starting to consider other career options and she told me she had, <laughs> she had applied to be a prison matron. Um, uh, did you really? Yeah, did you really? That's, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a metaphor that's a for writer's them. block. Yeah. Wait a minute, I think that would be a, a lovely children's book. Yeah, yeah. The, the story of the prison matron. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, do, I run creative writing workshops in the juvenile justice centers in New York and am so aware that it, I'm just touching in and leaving. And the idea of possibly like living in with these kids or spending many hours with them to try to understand right, their lives but, better. But. Right, but but I would when I hear that I think what what's so uh, interesting is the idea of giving, letting these kids know they have a voice, that circumstance have brought them someplace, but what happens to you isn't who you are. And that they actually have a voice. Which and is what you started with, like, what's your story? Yeah, what's yeah. your story? And they have a lot to and, say. And if you don't tell your story, then it's going to get told wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's amazing. But I'm just going back to the critique group. You know, sitting around and sharing your work with others at the end of a residency is a tradition. Sometimes at um, mixed residencies where there's artists and composers, somebody will do a performance or there'll be an open studio night. And it's both terrifying, but it does go it back to what terrifying. you said. It sounds terrifying. Because I'd be like, oh, I misspelled that word. Oh, what, what is no, I thinking there's there? So, there's so much tolerance for the inventive process yeah, okay. but it also puts a cap on the end of the experience that motivates you to work right right and and what was it like for you um sounded devastating depressing yeah, <laughs> yeah. depressing there was uh there were four of us and one woman was 32 who's working on her first novel which i thought was terrific child uh i know amateur one, <laughs> one woman who's 40 who's doing an essay for three penny review on little women which i thought was brilliant and then jeff the, the book or the movie the, the new movie. All of it. Okay. Oh, really? And the various movies. Oh, my grandfather um, directed one of them. The one with Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She and, referenced uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my friend Jeff and I, who are both who are 63 and 64, were working on novels. And afterwards, we were like, damn, man, what's with these young people? They're so good. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was... Um, choosing shorter form. Uh, well, the first one was working on a novel. So, right, right, but the um, second. Yeah. yeah, so you can come there and just get something yeah. done. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm going to go there on February 12th. I, I also find, by the way, I don't know if I, I don't know, like, will be like there or not. When, when 
when writing is read aloud, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the intended way it's supposed to be absorbed. And that be, the, I agree. In the way that, like, you know, radio is theater of the yeah. mind, it when when I read, I have such a vibrant imagination, and when I, agree. I when I hear it read to me, I am always well, uh, I, aware of the performance. But I think that they were just like sharing, you know, a, a bit of the experience. It's not like that it's to be read. I mean, you know that my no, but 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 it's an interesting social dynamic. Is all right. I'm saying mm -hmm. is that yeah. is that. Uh, that was it a sense of performance, or was it much more uh, introspective? It was more introspective, and and I said it, it was a little humbling and and depressing, and it was. But it was also it was exciting and and great and warm and good hearing colleagues and good, you know, getting some feedback, uh, and everyone was really supportive. And as as far as on the page or reading, I I when, have, when, all right. I'm going to ask a question yeah, that's been uh -huh, asked of me a yeah. lot. When did you know you wanted to be a writer in your uh, life? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and what was the motivation? Like what? I actually distinctly remember that our seventh grade teacher was reading a passage from a Ray Bradbury short story oh, I about uh, and describing a Tyrannosaurus Rex and like a lot of seventh oh the grade a boys. roll of thunder yeah exactly I love that and story and I love dinosaurs and and I thought wow this is so great and it occurred to me oh someone did that there was agency and create it wasn't just there but someone actually created that and it's like oh, people can do that. Maybe I can do that. So. Yeah. That's one of the key reasons we want to bring the writers into the schools, because I think kids don't necessarily have an idea that, oh, I could be a writer. That's a career path. You see what your parents did. You see what's in your environment, and you think those are your options. If we bring a Steve Friedman or a Patty McCormick into a seventh grade class and talk about this as, you know, not just a way to make a living, but a, a calling, um, you don't know what it does <laughs> Well, it's kids. funny, because like you said, when do you know you want to be a writer it's like I still don't want to be a writer because I do come from <laughs> I'm the opposite I'm like that Monty Python sketch where where the guy comes back and he's a, all his family are actors and and he's a coal miner they're like what the theater wasn't good enough for you you know that's like me it's like I my entire family going back as far as I can are, are showmen and my mom's a writer three of her books are right there I mean you know and she wrote movies and 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 you know all of that stuff so for me to be I really fought against going right. into the family business. But, but all right, and now I, this might, I may be uh, deviating here, but I, I can't answer the question myself except to know that my brain always moved faster than anything else where I was as a kid and through college and even now. And there's like all these conversations that are going on at all times. And I found at some point writing was a much um, safer way of expressing myself because it forced me to declare something hmm. as opposed to like being all over the place all at once. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. You had to take a stand and put it on paper, basically. And, and I've also heard, you know, a lot of writers, a lot of artists have a really chaotic inner life and this is a way of imposing order, of creating a world that is... Imposing is uh, a great word. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah, cool. I, I found in, in my... Uh, I, I what, didn't grow up wanting to be an artist did you know moved away from it was doing other things but i took an art class in a junior college uh in a place i didn't know anybody just so i could meet people i figured if you take art and you're not good at it they give you a c <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody fails right art, you can't right? fail art it's so subjective. i did but i found something very quickly which was it was the first time in my life i could concentrate and it was the first time in my life I could tolerate being alone. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel so integrated. Mm -hmm. 
That's amazing. That I thought That's even so if, attractive. If mm-hmm. and if I suck, mm-hmm. right. I'm going to do this because at least it's me. Yeah. Right. right. And 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 again, without kissing your ass, like, I mean, you're such a brilliant artist, and so you had this talent that you were able to nurture. But it's it's magnificent because a lot of people might want to try that. You found the right platform at different p- parts of your creative life to to thrive at that mm-hmm. and also being at the right place that, at the right time yeah. and meeting the right people yeah, i mean it's such a, a to to a move, to move it along you need a lot of angels in yeah. your path that uh, open doors help you out encourage etc but one of the ambitions i have for the the church maybe the the uh, prime house will share it is trying to separate art and creativity the uh, uh, art, is, art is the thing that happens a long way down the road of a creative activity. And there's so much intimidation by a public, uh, so many barriers that they put up between themselves and the creative act uh, because they think it has to turn into art. And so I think what we have to show is that we can participate in a stimulating other engagement with with you know activity with mm-hmm. the mind with right with place, the body etc it's, well, it's forming new exactly. like neuro pathways yeah. so it's okay if you shoot a blank uh, yeah. you know not everything can be no but, there, but it's, the, it's the playfulness right. I, I mean that 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 goes back to I think what you were saying when you you were if I remember this correctly in Rome um, it, it, in that it's the it's the pursuit that is the noble act and that the finished product um, is the result. Yeah, well, right. I, I think of it, you know, in a simpler way is, is saying, you know, kids learn to play baseball starting with a t-ball and they learn the rules of the game, et cetera, et cetera. And then if they're, they're encouraged, they like it, they're engaged, they go on to Little League. There it gets a little more serious. They learn more the, the the actual plane of the game. They become more coordinated. Some of them go on and play high school. You know, if they're right. good, they go to college. Some of them go on to pros. Right. right. And, and but everybody knows how to play baseball, and so they go out on Sundays and they play pickup games, et cetera, et cetera. There's no intimidation, but they know they're not the pros, but it doesn't stop them from enjoying the game. Right. So. But but. Uh, Jazz is the conver- it celebrates the conversation. Classical music, I think, uh, is, is much more hierarchical, if that's a word, in its in its uh, goal. You know, it's like it's a very specific. Com- it's a statement, and it, it seems like what we're talking about in Sag Harbor is to celebrate the conversation, and to mm-hmm. and to have a dialogue. Yeah. Uh, that 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 oozes out of these cultural centers and permeates the town. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just gonna bring it back to Prime House and what you said about angels along the way and the experimentation that's allowed when you are away for two weeks and uh, allowed to imagine a whole new way to approach your work or what have you, that because there isn't necessarily an outcome, it's, it's just right. a moment to be completely free of exactly, all of that. Exactly, exactly. Well, we're gonna take another short break. We only have about 10 minutes left. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And William Shakespeare. And <laughs> yes, and uh, our guests, Eric Fischel, Patty McCormick, and Stephen Friedman. We'll be right back. 
Everybody shut up. Sundays on the East End with Alex Sokolow and Bridget Moore. And uh, we're talking with Eric Fischel and Patty McCormick, Stephen Friedman about art, Sag Harbor, history, uh, you know, creative hubs, the journey, the process. Let's bring it on home, people. Well, let's talk about the East End a little bit. I mean, uh, I certainly know I've lived out here full time about four and a half years, and I've had such a change in my relationship to, to my writing and creativity since I've been here. Um, time seems to move differently here. The air seems to kind of uh, work well, differently I, here. That's what I was saying in the beginning about there being like these kind of kind of creative vortexes. I don't know what to, how to call it, but I think Sag Harbor is one of them. And you're, you're kind of right. And Eric, like when, when you when you moved out here, uh, did you find a cathartic difference in your process? Uh, well, we moved out here part time in '85 and sort of did what a lot of artists do where they're spending the the nicer months out here and then in the city uh, during the winter stuff winter goes faster in the city than it does out here so I I did we did that for years Uh, 2004 we ended up moving out here full-time I don't know whether it's a combination of of the place or just reaching a certain age, a certain place in your career, et cetera, where the city doesn't feed you the same way. Right. You don't need it as frequently, whatever. That, that, so that was part of the transition. But, you know, there, there's a, such a great mythology around this place. The, the, the East End does have an extraordinary light. Yes. It, it's something that everybody perceives. But, uh, and, and it's become this myth uh, among artists that that's why they're here and there was a book done not that long ago where they interviewed artists and they're you know why they're out here it was a studios by the sea or something mm-hmm. it was called and pretty much everybody said they were here because of the light <laughs> and the thing is that none of them work by the light right, <laughs> right? but it sounds right. better than yeah. saying <laughs> what you know I'm here because my friends are here or I'm right. here because this is where the money is or but, but you know I, all the other things but that it's are also you know the, but the light I mean we were just talking about shamanism before we, we came back I mean the light can literally be like your can you know that light that you feel I mean you can say it's the light out there and it can be that yeah. you create you know it, it inspires the light inside of you I, I know what you know one of the things that I 
been in search of for, for most of my life and seem to be realizing out here is a sense of place. And, and what is it that connects you to the place, grounds you in the place, stimulates you from that place, et cetera. And, th and those elements are very much here. They're, they're, and I think the, the light or that, you know, I have these places every day I go over the bridge from North Haven to Sag Harbor and I, it's a, it's a, a touchstone. I see, I see the calm of the water or the roughness of the water. I see a certain land shapes, et cetera, et cetera, that absolutely ground me mm -hmm. in this in this moment in this time and stuff so it's, yeah, it's highly valuable I, I never make paintings of being here but mm -hmm. uh, interesting yeah and and i just briefly like the entire i lived in los angeles for 27 years and and you know had had my career with joel for forever i always felt like i was on a clock there I always felt regimented in my writing. If I did not get my writing started by a certain time and finished by a certain time, I had this horrible sense of failure in the day. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I find about living out here is that went away. You said the time is different out here. And what do you feel? Yeah, I would say the same writer? thing that when I'm in the city, I have that breathless run to this, run to that quality. And out here, time is quite different. I read very differently out yeah. here. Mm -hmm. I really sink into something in a way that I don't get to do. Mm. anywhere else right so can I ask you just um, some meat and potatoes stuff um, do you have people who are applying now for for the residency we've started to get um, an influx of inquiries we don't yet have our formal application process up and running we want to take some time after Steve's group leaves to kind of uh, rehash what it was like. Repair and the house. <laughs> yeah, wait, you think that's bad. Wait, Keith, Keith Moon is my power animal, so. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, but yes, yeah, so. But you still, the information, the, the place to find us is at uh, the primehouse.org on okay. the uh, church website. And where can we see your, your, your work? Oh, I have what? SteveFriedman.net. SteveFriedman, spelled what? like fried man. Fried okay. man. Yeah. And, um, if we went to stevefriedman.net, mm -hmm. uh, what what would we be able to read? Uh, you'd read a lot of my stories that have been published in magazines. You'd read about the books I've published, the memoirs. Uh, I've collaborated with a couple of professional athletes on their autobiographies, um, a book about my dad and golf, so just various things, places where I teach. Steve's being very modest. He's been... Uh, listed in best american sports writing every year since uh not really true <laughs> good enough okay. That's yeah, okay. yeah. i've Patty's been published 10 times and listed as notable about 18 times that's spectacular so, yeah. and patty that's actually do you, do you have a, a website for your books yeah. as well Sorry, it's patriciamccormick.com and i write young adult books about um social justice issues and have you found it? Um, Wait, I have to interrupt. Patty's been a National Book Award finalist twice. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You got to have friends. <laughs> and, and, all right, I want to go back to the sports book. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, somebody once said, the smaller the ball, the better the book. I think I've heard that, too. I, my dad's a big golfer, pretty serious golfer. He's 88, and he still plays a lot. Is that his uh, score? Or is that his age? Actually, he's, he's hit his score at, at 77, at 83, at 88. So that's pretty that's good. That's amazing. Uh, um, listen. And I don't play golf. You so. guys are going to have to talk about that when we get off yeah, the air yeah, yeah, because yeah. the show is done. <laughs> <laughs> Stick a fork in it. But the uh, website is sagharborchurch.org. 
uh, that is the uh, and, and you have a new uh, executive director, Sarah Cochran, yes, right? Yes, uh, Sarah. Sarah. She's, Sarah. She's, uh, Scottish. Sarah. Sarah Cochran, Cochran yeah. which is wonderful. Congratulations yeah, to Eric Fischel for everything that he's doing with yeah. Sag Harbor and uh, Patty. I will see you in mid-February at the Prime House, which is theprimehouse.org. Stevefriedman.net. Do you have a website? No. Jeez, I'm like, off of social media. I don't I, do that stuff. I know, but you talk about TV. You watch TV. I, yeah, I consume, but You're I don't. You're channeling don't. TV. Yeah. I am channeling. Oh, God. Okay, Literally. well. Click, click, click. Okay, so it's, t- it's, time. it's nap time for all of us now, Eric. So I want to thank our guests and, again, thank our producer, Kyle Lynch. You've been listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and uh, somebody. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, I, so I just want to leave everybody with this, right? Hopefully this is a cool conversation for everybody. We all have creativity in us. We all have stories to tell. And um, I do think it's vital to treat the time that you get to tell your stories special. It's holy. My dad used to say, and I'm not trying to be crass, even though it's don't shit where you eat, right? This is a really important idea. We all need safe places to be playful. So I hope everybody has that in their life. If not, come to Sag Harbor because it's a very playful place. And uh, everybody be well and stay well. Why would you lie about how much cold?